Well, it is Wellness Wednesday, and that means Dr. Michael Roizen shows up on our doorstep. And I wish he would show up on my doorstep so we could go out to lunch and have a few laughs. But uh, I get to uh, tug on his lab coat and ask him questions. Dr. Michael Roizen, of course, of the Cleveland Clinic. His next book, which I am counting down to get a, a galley or a preview copy, The Great Age Reboot, will be out in September, uh, September 13th. You can pre-order it now. And there's going to be an app with it. it. It's going to be spectacular. I can't wait, Doc. Welcome, my friend. My privilege. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you're here. And um, before we get into this week's research, which is just loaded with great stuff about health and wellness, um, I want to ask you a question about a very dear friend of mine who is scheduled to get a knee replacement in uh, a matter of days, like literally days, been fighting the uh, battle against this knee replacement, didn't want to have spare parts. And uh, in January, it was supposed to happen, but the COVID resurgence put all elective surgeries on hold here in the Delaware. And so everything got pushed back to the first week of April. Well, the pre-op physical therapy continued as if nothing had changed. And a couple of days ago, uh, she told me that the preoperative conditions of all the uh, physical therapy seem to have done something amazing and a miracle. It doesn't seem like she's going to need the knee replacement, Doc. Is this unusual? Or, or could her mind be tricking her into thinking the pain is no longer there? Well, her mind could be tricking her, but we have mind over matter all the time. So the mind could be uh, um, beneficial in this case. But in addition, you know, what we found was when we, and this was, we did this in pre-op total hip and total knee patients, when they did uh, increase exercise, when they changed their diet, and when they did stress management, the three things together, avoiding all anti, uh, all inflammatory foods, avoiding um, simple sugars, added syrup, simple carbs, red meat, processed red meat, um, and all egg yolks and cheese. When they did that and exercised and did stress management, 18% of them no longer needed the operation. Now, we only followed them out for um, about two years, but they didn't need it in two years. So we don't know whether Sometime it came back and caused the problem, but at least for the first two years, they didn't need uh, the uh, procedure. Hmm. So um, it's not, you know, it wasn't 100%, but it was 18% of the patients. And, and uh, that's about the same number as came from an Australian study. So what you should do when, when you've got this is do it yourself. You don't have to see anyone. Um, do see someone. Do get on the uh, in to see an orthopod to make sure that there isn't something else going on. But um, it is uh, appropriate to do it this way. And it's, it is the, the human body has a remarkable sense to heal itself. Yeah, that's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I want to show off and think I've got the right term here. Is it homeostasis? Um, no. Oh, no, I didn't get it right. 
I thought I thought that was our body's ability to heal itself. I guess not. Right. Well, our body's ability to heal itself. Um, I guess it, homeostasis is staying the same way. So I don't know. Uh, we call it a uh, you're you're a genetic engineer, and by changing diet, stress management, and physical activity, you engineer a reboot or a um, healing process to your body. It's kind of like a teeny tiny chapter of the Great Age Reboot that's coming out in September. Thank you. September 13th. <laughs> but you can pre-order it now. And you should do that so you won't get caught if there's a supply chain issue. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Ro <laughs> Dr. Rosen, uh, thank you. There already has been, as you know. It was supposed to come out in January, but we couldn't get the paper into the United States to print the darn book. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, thanks for that update on uh, on the uh, knee and hip replacement stuff. And it just shows you that there's a lot of value to doing good physical therapy and life changes before you go just taking a, a surgical route to any problem. Investigate every alternative because there are good, smart, and successful alternatives out there. Doc, I'm looking over all the research you sent me. There's so many, so many things in here. And uh, you and I talk about sleep all the time just because I'm so beleaguered by my sleep habits. I'm trying to get better. And I'm trying to break back to 20 and 30 minute maximum for power naps. And I might do it twice a day. Number 13 says lots of napping could raise someone's odds. Yeah, so one nap a day was associated with about a 20% increase in developing um, Alzheimer's disease, hmm. two naps a day, about a 40% increase. Um, this was a large study, I think, uh, and I'm blanking, uh, where it came from, but it was either Denmark or Australia. Um, and it wasn't known whether the nap, I mean, in other words, it's, it's an association. Maybe the people had the problem and took the naps because of that. You take naps because you got a weird uh, radio um, schedule where uh, you have to get up early for AM radio shows, etc. So it doesn't count in that cases, I don't think. You're taking them because you've got weird um, work hours. Yeah, that's different than these people who um, I think were largely uh, daytime workers. Okay, I'll, I'll calm down. But I have dialed it way back when you talked about try not to nap longer than an hour and 20 minutes is ideal. So now I actually have been doing the 20-minute power nap thing with an alarm, and that does yeah, seem the, re the seem reason good. when you sleep, when you're more than an hour, you're at risk of going into a deep sleep and thus having a sleep latency problem, what we call a sleep inertia problem which means you're still sleeping when you start to work and you feel um, that you really want to still be sleeping. So you don't want to get into that deep sleep that you get into after an hour. Yeah, I call that a sleep hangover. You know, if you Yeah, that's it, what it is. That's what it feels like to me. Not that I've had a hangover ever in my life, ever. Uh, okay, Doc, uh, a couple of other things here that got my attention. We talk a lot about e-cigarettes, and I always was um, – kind of turned off by the vaping and e-cigarette people because it just looked dumb to me. But now the FDA has authorized more e-cig products, 
But you're also saying that e-cigarette use isn't helping get people yeah, to quit smoking. A, this is a uh, we should say this is BS on the on the FDA. They should you know this is a, this is a bad thing. The new commissioner first act is to uh, approve more e-cigarettes and to uh, delay the decision on menthol and e-cigarettes. Hmm. You know you you want to say. Um, this is bad on the FDA. Um, so, um, and the other story in there, of course, was that the kids are getting, kids are trying to get off cigarettes that they get addicted to with e-cigarettes, and all they do is get addicted to the e-cigarettes, and they're unsuccessful at getting off tobacco because they're addicted to, to vaping, which is just as bad, it looks like, for the lungs and the rest of the body. So, uh the point is, uh, if I was going to say the FDA, you know, I love the FDA. It is a great organization. They largely do great work. This is, uh, this is, uh, if you will, bad for them. Well, you used to um, say bad science when you said BS. BS is bad science. Okay. That's right. My mother used to say, I love you, but I don't like you much right now. When she'd be mad at me. So maybe you could say that the FDA, I love you, but I don't like you so much right now. Just saying. Yeah, well, in fact, I think it's uh, um, a uh, dark cloud over the FDA for this approval. Well, good. We'll, we'll wag a finger at them. Speaking of the teens and the kids, uh, you were just talking about this. I suspected something like this, and I think I have my reasons, but why does high internet use get tied to poor mental health in teens? Well, we don't know the reason, but again, it's an association. How, how long do you think the average kid spends on the internet um, now? Like daily, you mean? Yeah, daily. What, how many hours a day? Six hours a day. No, well, it's only three. Well, that's uh, okay. I was counting like school and, and smartphone use, but. Well, they may be playing on it themselves, but not connected to the internet, meaning they may have downloaded the, the, the process or okay. they may have downloaded the. This is actually connected to the internet using the internet. It's 183 minutes a day on average. Wow. Well, those that used it more had an increased incidence of mental disturbance. And it correlated directly. So the more you use it, the more likely. Now, is it because they had the mental problem to begin with that they were um, getting all their kicks from connecting on the Internet and not with other people? We don't know the answer to that, but there is a strong association. So limit it in your preteens. Yeah, I can tell you uh, my wife runs and her family has run a children's theater in Wilmington, Delaware, for almost 50 years now. And the kids who participate in stuff like theater and live performances are not connected to the Internet for that many hours. And I believe that socialization cannot be uh, underscored enough in terms of the benefit it brings to kids with their mental health and how they're able to navigate life. So I'm a big proponent of getting kids involved in connecting to each other as opposed to connecting to uh, the Internet. That's just my, my personal opinion. I have no science behind it, Doc. Um, we hear about the uh, Mediterranean diet all the time. It's one of the diets that people name drop. 
Um, is there a great benefit from the Mediterranean diet? And any well, specific- there is a great benefit, but this study was BS. So this study said compared Mediterranean diet with low fat. How much, what percent of fat do you think they said was low fat? 28%, no hmm. difference, with at least 10% being saturated fat. That's not low fat. This is a BS, a bad science study. <laughs> Don't believe the title. The title says Mediterranean better than low fat for preventing chronic kidney disease. We don't have any information on that from this study. This study was high fat versus high fat, one being, uh, if you will, Mediterranean and one being, um, if you will, just a little less. So it's 33% versus 28%. It ain't a valid study. Throw out the headline. Okay, I'm tossing it out. Let's squeeze. That's why I put it in there to say you got to read the details of the study, not the headline on the study. And that applies to everything, people. Uh, when you read your news every day and you're gathering your information, go at least six, seven, eight paragraphs deep because the headlines are often there just to get you to click. You got to get the details. The devil is always in the details. Doc, let's do one more. Regular physical activity independently tied to decreased risk of all-cause Alzheimer's and dementia? Yeah, the, the point is that it isn't just that you're keeping your blood vessels clean. It's something else, and we know what else it is. This is just a study that confirms it. What happens is you are a genetic engineer. When you exercise and stress a muscle, you turn on a gene that produces the protein arisen, Arisen gets across the blood-brain barrier and increases your memory center, independent of whether you have vascular disease or independent of whether you have Alzheimer's or predisposed to it. So physical activity, a great antidote to bad genes. Excellent. Excellent. And you, as Dr. Royzen said, you are your own genetic engineer, and we'll find out more. I, I encourage people. Pre-order The Great Age Reboot. The book is going to be out in September. September will be here before we know it. September 13th, we'll have a big celebration. And we're going to talk about it all the way up until then, Dr. Rice. And I hope you'll come back again next week. I, of course, will. 